You're tuned in to the Todd Coconado Show, otherwise known as The Remnant, one of the most listened to podcasts in the Christian community. You can visit our website, toddcoconado.com, and now broadcasting live around the world from Music City, USA, Nashville, Tennessee, here's the host of the show, Pastor Todd Coconado. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to today's broadcast. I'm so thankful that you're here. We're going to talk about a subject matter that I actually have not heard talked about in a while, but I think it's important because it's it really defines who we are, who we're going to be in our life with regard to marriage in our home, and it's the subject of equal yokage or the phrase being unequally yoked. What does that mean, and why are so many of you and I and many others dealing with this in certain relationships what is the importance of equal yokage? What does it even mean? You know, it's it's like a Christianese term. So we're going to get into this. And if you're single, I think this will help you in your efforts in praying for a spouse. If you're married, there's going to be another element to this where some of you are on fire for the Lord and you are just hearing from the Lord in his presence, your spirit led, and then your spouse is not. They may be a believer, they may not be a believer, but if they're a believer, but they're kind of more like a, I call a mainstream Christian, or I don't even think that's the right word, because if they were really a mainstream Christian, you know, they should be following all the ways of the word of God, but I, I guess what it, what I mean is like a, a seeker-friendly-ish, you know, they they, they they claim Christ, they're they're in Christ, I mean, they're saved, but they're like at level one, you know, they haven't really gone deeper in their faith, and they don't really have a desire to go deeper in their faith. That's the big problem. And so, unfortunately, our when I say main cre- mainstream Christian, it's because, unfortunately, if you look at, like, the, the, the whole church, you know, the church as a whole, there's a lot of people that have their heads buried. Would you agree? I mean, there's still a good portion of people that have no idea what's going on in the world. They have no urgency. They are walking in what I call the normalcy bias. In other words, everything is always going to be like this. There's no urgency you don't have to worry about the possibility of world war three or what the biden administration is up to you don't have to worry about the central bank digital currency all that is just conspiracy you're crazy don't worry about it god's in control do you know those people oh yeah oh yeah meanwhile here we are the remnant people and we're like uh warning warning we're seeing a bunch of the book of revelation literally coming to life before our eyes um i, I could just read some headlines from this last week that will make you, you know, get really wide-eyed. I mean, uh, I, I just read a, an article where the president of Turkey, Aragon, was literally saying that the Arab world should unite against Israel. Where have I heard that before? Or what about the headlines about the central bank digital currency that's now being rolled out in the next few months with the Fed Now app that, you know, is literally something that they could limit your ability to buy or sell? I mean, There's crazy things that are going on in our world, and yet a good portion of Christendom or the the church body doesn't see any of it. They just think everything's great. And so if you're married to someone like that, that can be very difficult because I would would tend to say you are probably unequally yoked even though the person may be a believer. So what is unequally yoked? Well, that's what we're going to... Let me just kind of read here. So the phrase unequally yoked comes from 2 Corinthians 6.14, okay? And in the King James Version, it says this, Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? 
I mean, it's pretty simple. When you're in Christ, you shouldn't want to be connected to the world. We're in it, but we're not of it. Haven't we been talking about that? Doesn't mean that you disconnect completely and become a hermit. Obviously, we're meant to go out into the world and we're meant to make disciples and we're meant to share the good news. But we're not meant to partake in the sin. We're not meant to be right there with them sinning just so that we can win them over because guess what? They're going to pull us into the sin instead of us pulling them into Christ if that's our philosophy. We've got to be set apart. We've got to be walking in the anointing. Um, The New American Standard Version says this. It says, do not be bound together with unbelievers for what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness and what fellowship has light with darkness. Well, there is a lot of quote-unquote Christians in our culture. I was just watching this insane video from that pastor, Michael Todd. Uh, it looked more like a like a concert, like a Rihanna concert, than a church service for Re- Resurrection Day. But, you know, there's churches that are now emulating the world so much that it's like you, you basically are going to like a concert. I mean, it's not even holy. I, I much rather would have a guitar player and a singer that's in the spirit than have some amazing professional orchestra that is just totally performance-based and not at all anointed. And I know that you're saying amen to that. But, you know, the whole thing is, this is where we are. And so many of you have a spouse that doesn't get it. Some of you are single and you're looking to find a spouse, but it's hard to find a remnant person. And so, you know, you kind of sometimes lower your standards because you get lonely. Let's just be real now. I was single once for a very long time, by the way. And it is so hard to find somebody that actually sees things the way you do. Now, I was in Los Angeles when I got married. So you can imagine my wife was like a bright spot in a very dark place. And I will tell you this, and I'm going to be transparent with you. My wife and I don't see eye to eye on everything. I don't think there's a couple out there that do. But at least we can communicate and we do our best. I do my best. But I'll say that I probably have a little more passion. I think she would agree with that. And uh, she doesn't quite see all the things that I see with such urgency. But I think that's part of my calling is that the Lord has put these things in my heart. And I have uh, the Holy Spirit warning me about certain things as a watchman and as a pastor and as a voice out here. So it's a heavy calling. And, you know, we don't always find somebody that's exactly like us. But hopefully you find somebody that compliments you. And I think my wife does a good job in that. She compliments me and she brings balance and she makes me come down from, uh, you know, urgency level one and and just, you know, go have a family picnic and things like that, you know. So uh, balance is good. Balance is good. Let's, let's continue on here. What is it? So a yoke is a wooden bar that joins two oxen to each other and to the burden they pull. An unequally yoked or quote-unquote unequally yoked team has one stronger ox and one weaker. Mm. Or one taller and one shorter. The weaker or shorter ox would um, walk more slowly than the taller, stronger one. And that's causing the load to go around in circles. Oh my goodness, do you know a couple like this? I know many. When the oxen are unequally yoked, they cannot perform the tasks set before them. Instead of working together, they are at odds with one another. Wow. We have a lot to talk about today. Uh, There's so many people that are dealing with this. And and you may have just tuned in. You had no idea what I was going to talk about. And all of a sudden, you're like glued to the radio because you're like, wow, this is me. This is my situation. So there's hope. There's hope for this, okay? 
there's many different things that we can do, and these are the things that we're going to talk about today. But to the singles, because I want to keep everybody's attention on here because this is important. To the singles, this is the most important thing. And, and listen to a married man that's telling you a very truthful thing. I've counseled many people. You have to marry a believer. You have to. If you marry a non-believer, then you're going to set yourself up for failure right away. And I understand that looks are important to you. And I've had pastors tell me, don't worry about the looks. You got to just fall in love with the person. Yeah. Well, what world are you from, buddy? I mean, I think it's important that you are attracted. But sometimes the attraction, it, it grows. You know, it grows on you. Maybe not at first glance. Maybe not like what how movies depict it, you know, to be some crazy romance It's not always like that. Sometimes God will just put somebody in your life and you may not even notice them at first. And then all of a sudden they grow on you because the spirit is working on you and you start seeing that you work well together. And that's very important because I'm going to tell you something. Looks fade. People, I know people that were in my high school that were like the most good looking people, uh, both men and women. And I've seen some of their pictures now and they look nothing like what they did in high school or college. You know, you get them around their 40s or their 50s. Some people look like they're 80 at 40. I mean, let's face it. So people age differently. I know some of you are laughing at me right now. But listen, I come from Hollywood. I I speak real, okay, in this area because Hollywood is extremely looks-based. And I've seen actors and actresses that came in and they were used, they were booking parts all the time, and then all of a sudden they didn't age well or they partied hard, and all of a sudden they didn't get any parts. So, you know, there is uh, the factor of looks And in the second segment, I'm going to go through a little bit of that because I want to do like an all-encompassing show today where I do talk to singles and marrieds. But the whole thing is this is going to be something that's going to be an aha for you and me because we realize that God actually cares about this. He cares about this. And by the way, looks are, they're only a part. I mean, I think it's important that you're attracted, but again, attraction can grow. Uh, I think it's important, you know, to me, what was really attractive was when somebody loved the Lord. I'm just going to be real. And I saw them worshiping and, you know, I, I saw them engaged and they have a heart for the Lord and a passion for the Lord. That's attractive to me. But it doesn't mean that you have to just find somebody that you're totally unattracted to because I think there is an aspect of that that's important in, in the marriage. So we're going to be right back and we're going to get into this more. And we're going to talk about some of the things that people don't normally talk about in the Christian world about equal yokage. And, and it's okay to look for somebody that you're attracted to, by the way. You don't have to just marry anybody, but it's important to find a man of God, a woman of God that gets it. So pastortodd.org, pastortodd.org is the website, and uh, this is the subject matter today. Very important subject, equal yokage. We'll be right back. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Todd Coconato Show. Today we are talking about the very important subject matter of being equally yoked. I haven't talked about this in a while. I haven't heard anybody preach about it in a while. Very important subject. Hey, before we get to that, though, uh, you can visit us on our website, pastortodd.org, and we've got a lot of information up on that site, a lot of things that we're doing, and I just thank those that are going to be attending. We're actually opening a new revival center in Nashville, Tennessee. It's actually the town of Gallatin, which is about 25 minutes north or so of downtown Nashville, and uh, May 5th is the opening service, May 5th. So if you're anywhere near the Nashville area, come to our first service. It's going to be an amazing weekend. And uh, we'd love to see you there. So, okay, uh, let's get to this. So Paul's admission in, um, you know, 2 Corinthians 6.14. 
is part of a larger discourse to the church of Corinth. And that was, you know, how he wrote to the churches, the letters he was writing to the church of, you know, the Corinthian church, the church of Corinth on the Christian life. So he's breaking down key aspects and elements of Christian life. And he discouraged them from being in an unequal partnership with unbelievers because believers and unbelievers are opposites. If you're in the spirit and and you are sharing something that the spirit has, you know, given you a revelation on or a download, as I like to call it, but you're seeing in the spirit some type of revelation and you share that with a non-spirit-filled person, they're going to look at you like you're crazy. They're going to look at you like you're totally crazy. They're not going to believe it. And nine times out of 10, they're, they're not going to agree with it. Uh, in fact, they're going to probably butt heads with you on it because they're not spirit-led. Now, so this is why Paul was sharing this uh, because, you know, he says, look, he says he discouraged them from being in an unequal partnership with unbelievers because believers and unbelievers are opposites, just as light and darkness are opposites. That's why we say it's a battle of light versus darkness. Um, they simply have nothing in common. Hmm. Just as Christ has nothing in common with Beel, the Hebrew word meaning worthlessness. Um, it's B-E-L-I-A-L. I probably mispronounced it. A Hebrew word meaning worthlessness. And that's found in verse 15, by the way, of uh, 2 Corinthians 6, 15. 2 Corinthians 6, 15. Um, here Paul issues uh, some information about Satan is what he's saying. He's referring to Satan. The idea is that a pagan, wicked, unbelieving world is governed by the principles of Satan and that Christians should be separate from that wicked world just as Christ was separate from all the methods, purposes, and plans of Satan. He had no participation in them. You wouldn't see Christ. People try to say that he would, but trust me, he wouldn't. Okay, like going to a nightclub and partying. Yeah, you wouldn't see Jesus in a nightclub partying, okay? You wouldn't see Jesus getting drunk. You wouldn't see Jesus smoking weed. You wouldn't see Jesus doing a lot of things that you see a lot of Christians doing, okay, or quote-unquote Christians. He had no participation in these types of things, and he formed no union with them, by the way. He wasn't yoked to anybody in the world, and so it should be, as Christ is our example, with the followers of the one in relation to the followers of the other, uh, in other words, look, if you're in darkness, uh, you're not somebody I'm going to yoke with. I'm not going to go into a business partnership with you. I'm not going to go into a relationship with you if I was single. Uh, I am going. That's going to be a red flag. That's going to be a hard no for me because I know that no good for you. It's, they call it missionary dating. Now, here's what happens. A lot of people get discouraged, lonely, and they're like, I just feel like God is never going to answer my prayer to bring a spouse, and I'm lonely. And so what happens is you lower your expectations and you end up settling. And when you settle, that is an open door for the enemy because if this person is not in Christ and they're not spirit-led, your whole lifestyle is not going to make any sense to them. And you're going to butt heads. Now, they might put up a good act for a little while. And I'm going to tell you some people, even in Christendom, do this. They put up a good act and then you marry them and you find out, oh, they're not exactly how they sold themselves to me. That's why a lot of marriages end up in divorce, actually, uh, amongst other reasons. So it's important that you find somebody that's just as on fire as you are, if not more, because that person's going to hold you accountable and they, they're going to, it's a three-strand cord and a three-strand cord isn't easily broken. What's a three-strand cord? Well, that's you, the other person, and God. And see, so I have to answer to God. So not only would I not cheat, but I'm not going to cheat because, not just because I don't want to let my spouse down, 
I'm not going to cheat because ultimately that's going to let God down. And I know the wages of sin or death. Now, I'm going to be real with you. Have I always had the same values that I have now? No, of course not. When I was in the world, I was a different person. And, and when I was getting healing and delivered, God took a lot of layers of, of junk off of me. And uh, by the way, we're always in that process until the day that we die. But I feel like I'm at a good place in my walk where I don't want to let God down. And so it's not even so much about my spouse, but of course it is about my spouse also, but I don't want to let God down. So therefore, I'm not going to allow those areas of sin in my life. And I'm going to make sure that I'm doing my best to serve the Lord and to follow out the ways of the Lord, which are in his word. And so if you find somebody that has a heart for God, that has a prayer life, that's a worshiper, I mean, that's, look, even if you don't have a lot of other things in common, if you got God in common, his word, worshiping, uh, being a lover of the word, being on fire for the Lord, that's actually enough to have a pretty strong marriage. I mean, a really strong marriage because you can be totally opposite in like your taste in, I don't know, sports or cooking or, you know, music, things like that. But if you love the Lord and the other person loves the Lord and you're a three strand cord, it's not going to be easily broken because you're always going to have that common ground of your faith. And that is the most important aspect of our life is our faith. In fact, without faith, it's impossible to please God. But with the faith of a mustard seed, we can move a mountain. So when you have a couple that becomes one before God and you're both in Christ and you're both on fire for the Lord and you're both spirit-led, you're going to have a good marriage because you're going to work it out and you're going to fear God in a healthy way enough to make sure that you're treating that spouse in a good way. You know, you're, you're treating them as God would have you to treat them. And the Bible articulates that, you know. But it's not just marriage, though. It's also in relationships, even friendships. Some people did, like, I can't find a lot of good Christian friends or I can't relate to Christians in the church. And so what you do is you're a Christian and you're a good Christian. You really love the Lord, but then you hang out with your old high school friends. And I'm not saying you got to be completely separate from them and just end the friendship, but things change when you come in Christ. And so if, you, if your relationship was when you were outside of Christ, maybe when you were in college or you know, middle school or high school and you know, you, you've kept these friendships, but that person didn't, didn't come to know Jesus. Now, here's the thing. You can minister to them. You can be a light to them. They don't have to be out of your life, but you can't go back to the things that you used to do with them. Otherwise, you're going back to your vomit and there's going to be an open door there and that's going to cause you to have issues and have the enemy have an inroad in your situation in your life. So your friendships, you got to be careful too because, you know, honestly, you should have people that are around you most of the time as your friends that are prayer warriors. I mean, these are people that are intercessors that are going to be praying for you, holding you accountable, sharpening you. The Bible says iron sharpens iron. These are the type of kingdom friendships that we want to have, partnerships and businesses, ministry partnerships, uh, different things that you're doing together. It's much, it's, it's way easier when you have somebody that's on the same page. And I would say nine times out of 10, when a relationship fails or something goes awry, it's because there's unequal yokage. So it's not just relationships. It's not just uh, friendships. It's also business partnerships. And we're going to get into that in a few minutes here. Uh, we're about to go to a hard break here. But when we come back, I want to talk about these different partnerships and yokages because if we can set this tone and this precedent in our life so that we evaluate every single interaction and, and by the way, it doesn't mean we disconnect from the world completely, but I'm going to talk about what is a healthy way to be connected with the world versus uh, going back to your vomit. So these are all things that we're going to discuss. So stay tuned. This is the Todd Coconato Show, and we'll be right back.
eyes to the one who sees me there when I'm standing on the mountain I didn't get there on my it's the sound of troubles rattling Woo. come on welcome back this is the Todd Coconato Show. We got to wake up those dry bones. I don't know about you. I'm fired up lately. I'm fired up. I wish I could preach a sermon right now because I'm ready to run around. But here's the thing. This is a sermon. This is very important, Remnant community. Listen, if you're married and you're in a bad relationship, you got to try to pray it through. I know today's world will just say get the divorce. Of course they will because that's the easy way out. But is it really easy? Because I've seen a lot of people that get divorced and it's like ripping two people's lives. I mean, sometimes it's more painful than death. Now, I know many of you that are listening to this, you've already been through a divorce. You understand what I'm talking about. And it is, I listen, whatever's done is done. If you've had a divorce, you've had a divorce. I mean, you know, it's in the sea of forgetfulness, you know. You move on, you know, you repent, you move on. Uh, you know, some of you had abusive relationships and that's not even on you. I mean, there's, there's actually instances in the Bible where it's okay to get a divorce. And uh, a lot of times Christians don't talk about that. But, you know, it is okay. It's actually really sad what the Christian community does, uh, you know, tr how they treat divorced people. And I'm hoping that that will actually change. And you know me, I'm a remnant pastor. But like I said, there are instances in the word of God that actually say it's okay to get divorces in certain circumstances, especially when you're under physical abuse or somebody's cheated on you, things like that, I think. Uh, you know, you shouldn't have to endure any type of physical abuse. Even emotional abuse, you know, you got to be careful because some people label things emotional abuse that's not emotional abuse. And by the way, the Bible doesn't specifically call out abuse, but it does call out when somebody commits adultery. It does call out when somebody cheats on you and you have the option to leave in that situation. So there are instances, and we can do another show on that sometime soon, but I don't want to talk about divorce right now because, look, if you've been through it, it's under the sea of forgetfulness, you move on. But regardless... You want to have a good future. You know, if you're looking to get into another relationship, you want to have an equally yoked because then it won't end up in divorce, right? And I just want to say, because I feel like there's somebody listening to this right now that you've been really hard on yourself because of your divorce. And I want you to know, listen, when you repent, it doesn't matter, you know, I mean, look at on the, on the, on the cross next to Jesus. That guy was at like his last few minutes of life. And because he accepted Jesus, he, he believed in him. Uh, he was going to spend eternity, according to Jesus, with him. He said, you will be with me this day in eternity. You know, so we we can't, the, a lot of people are really hard on Christians that have gone through things, and it's like they act like they're perfect. No, you're not perfect. Uh, everybody's sinned. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and we have to have mercy because God has shown us mercy. So if you've been through a divorce, it doesn't mean you're disqualified from ministry depending on the circumstances, things like that. But the bottom line, though, is that don't do it again. Like, make sure you're set up for success, but don't beat yourself up either. Don't beat yourself up or don't be hard on yourself. You know, everybody's got a story. I can't even tell you how many people have been in my office that have a story, okay, whether it's addiction or, you know, uh, maybe they cheated. Look, even if you were the one that cheated, it doesn't mean God's done with you. God has a lot of mercy. He's given me first, second, and third chances. Thank God. I was a wretch, I'm telling you. And I still make mistakes till this day. But praise God, he keeps me on a short leash. So I, I'm a good repenter, as I often say. But, you know, we're often hard on ourselves. And other Christians can be brutal. I mean, that's one of the things, one of my gripes with the church, one of my beefs with the church is that I feel like we eat our own. We can't do that. We can't eat our own. 
Okay, when somebody's having a, a tough season, that's the time to get go alongside and stand with somebody and pray for them, not to kick them when they're down. But how many times do Christians bail on the person who's going through it and then all of a sudden they'll come back around when everything's done? No, they needed you the most in their time of trouble. So we've got to change these areas. But here's everybody that's listening to this can do this. If you're single, if you're divorced, you know, if you whatever the case may be, even if you're married, it's not so much about your marriage now. It's about other relationships, friendships, business partnerships. Yes, business partnerships. Uh, because, it, look, here it is, okay? The unequal yoke is often applied to business relationships. For a Christian to enter into a partnership with an unbeliever is to court disaster. Unbelievers have opposite worldviews and morals, and business decisions made daily will reflect the worldview of one partner or the other. So for the relationship to work, one or the other must abandon his moral center and move towards that other one. More often than not, it is the believer who finds himself pressured to leave the Christian principles behind for the sake of the profit and the growth of the business. So no, we can't compromise. I mean, what do we talk about? A little leaven leavens the whole lump. What do we talk about? You know, if you're, if you're lukewarm, you're going to be spit out. So a lot of times the devil will use partnerships, business relationships, uh, friendships that you've held on to. Now, here's how it transitions. You got the friend from college or high school. Like, you don't need to just completely cut them out. I, I had to deal with this when I came to Christ because I had a ton of friends that were in the world. I mean, I was a popular guy in the world, and I had a lot of friends. And when I came to Christ, there was like a two-year period where I literally went from living in an amazing apartment, having a beautiful brand-new car and, you know, a gorgeous apartment in L.A. because I was making really good money to having to go back and move with my parents, super humbling. And I worked at a pretty much a minimum wage job after I had just stepped out of making, you know, over six figures. And this was many years ago. So this was a very humbling period for me. And on top of that, I had to walk away from my friends because most of my friends were partying. They were doing drugs and alcohol and having sex outside of marriage. All that stuff was normal to them. That was like any given night. I mean, you know, you go out in Hollywood, it's like any given night. You take somebody home. Unfortunately, that's the way it is. Nowadays, they're taking like two or three people home. I mean, it's gotten crazy. Now they're taking the same sex home. I mean, it's like a whole other level now. But, you know, when I was doing that, it wasn't that crazy, but it's still pretty crazy. And I thought it was crazy back then. But when I came to Christ, I'm in this like, you know, period where I'm just trying to find a Christian friend that I can relate to. And it was hard. It was really hard for me. Uh, thank God I finally did. But, you know, it, it took me getting stabbed nine times. <laughs> I know that sounds crazy, but it's actually true. One in the heart, if you ever never heard my testimony, you can go to our website and we're, we're actually putting a link up there for my testimony because I think it's just so important that people know my testimony. Anyways, very crazy stuff. Yes, yes, indeed. Um, but, you know, we've got to remember when we became a Christian, we became a new creation. If you've been a Christian your whole life, praise God. But if you, if you came out of the world like me and you became a Christian, you were born again. You were, you, you, you're a new creation in Christ. The old has passed away. That's one of the main reasons why we rejoice. We left a lifestyle of sin and death, and we walked into the light and life of Jesus Christ. So it's really hard to maintain those worldly friendships because they're going to want to do the things that you used to do together, party. I mean, even if it's like you say, well, I was like a really, you know, like a straight-edge person. I didn't do anything, but I was just an atheist. I was in the world. Well, even that... If you're hanging around people that are straight-edge atheists or whatever whatever friend group that you hung around when you were in the world, if they weren't believers in Jesus, there's going to be a disconnect. Mark my words. There's going to be, it might be pretty innocent, 
But even the innocent people, they think they're doing good, but if they're not in Christ and they're not spirit-led, uh, they're still not in you know the perfect will of God, and it's going to bring you down. So here's what you do. You don't cut those people out, but you turn it into a relationship where, like what I did is instead of going to the nightclub, I would have one of my friends say, hey, you want to go meet for lunch? And, you know, that's not normal for them because they didn't go meet people for lunch. But he would come and meet me, and it was kind of boring for him probably. But you know what I did? I ministered, and I shared what God was doing in my life. Actually, one of my friends, I'll tell you this, maybe I shouldn't say it was boring because sharing the gospel is not boring. But I guess, you know, I thought that was what I was in my insecurity. I was thinking, like, this must be boring because usually we're out having the time of our lives in the club, and now we're sitting here at Subway, you know? You know what? Let me just share this, though. Okay, as much as I thought that, and and that is kind of how we think sometimes because we think, well, this is boring to them. But the reality is this is what they need to know. This is what they need to hear. So even though it may appear kind of boring or something compared to the world standards, it's really not because if you think about it, this is what actually saves your life and your eternity, by the way. So, you know, kind of important. One of my friends that I would do that with and I'd go meet for lunch and stuff, I mean, he would, he'd still bring his, marijuana in his pocket I mean you could smell it you know and we'd be at lunch uh, that's why I had to take separate cars because I couldn't even have him in my vehicle because I never knew what was in his pocket you know um, but you know I'm, I did minister to him and I, I probably did think it was boring to him <laughs> I'm just gonna be real with you uh, but he ended up dying a couple years later but I will tell you this though he he accepted Christ a few times and I have to believe that maybe he was in Christ before he died I know the seeds were planted and that's just one story of many you know, my old friends. There's some of my old friends from back in the day that are on fire for the Lord now. Uh, pretty much all of them at this point have heard the gospel because I've shared it with them. God has availed divine opportunities and times for me to share that with them. So that's encouraging when you think about it because you're literally giving them, I mean, that's the, the definition of a true friend. You're literally giving them what they need to be successful. And some will receive it and some won't. Some will be curious and some will be very combative. And you have to kind of, uh, you know, weigh each situation. But the key is that you have strong people in your life. You're, you're not surrounded. Your five people that you're most connected with are not going to be weak people. They're not going to be somebody that you're ministering to. Like you have to have five people in your life, I would say is a good number of people that are either on the same page or even more mature than you, like mentors and elders. And I know sometimes those people are hard to find, but you got to pray for them. And they're in the church, by the way. There, there's there's people that are elders and mentors in the church that are available to people like you and I if we seek them out. I believe God will avail those people if you truly want to grow. That's why I don't waste my time with the VDPs anymore, the very draining people. I don't waste my time with people that don't want to hear and they just spin your wheels because there's so many hungry people that are looking for mentors and, and guidance and they really do want to make a change. And so that's how I kind of weighed it with my old friends is that the ones that were open, I would share more time. I'd spend more time and having lunch. The ones that just shut me down and didn't have any interest in my new life in Christ, you know, I kind of just blessed them and I would see them only once in a blue moon at that point because we're on such a different page. But the key is, you know, here, let me, let me just read the end of this here. You know, so of course the closest alliance one person can have with another is found in marriage, and this is how the passage is usually interpreted, yes, but God's plan is for a man and a woman to become one flesh and a relationship so intimate that one literally and figuratively becomes part of the other. Uniting a believer with an unbeliever is essentially uniting opposites, which makes for a very difficult marriage situation. And I'm just gonna tell you, that's op that, that is 100% true. Um, marriages, friendships, business partnerships, any type of thing that you're doing. 
even when you, I'm not saying that, you know, if you're renting a building, you have to rent it from a believer, but I'm just going to tell you, you rent it from a real believer, you're going to have a much easier time. Um, you know, you got to always pray about everything that you engage in, every type of thing that you're spending your money on and uh, any new type of program that you're involving yourself in or, or, or hobby or whatever you do. It's going to work better with a spirit-led person. God is connecting his remnant people for a time as this. And I tell you, I just got off the phone with a remnant person today. Never talked to the guy before in my life, but you would have thought we were best friends. Why? Because we just, we're tracking. We're spirit-led. It's so easy. That's how it should be. That's how it should be. I mean, it's like you know the person forever. Why? Because you're connected to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords and his spirit. And if somebody understands the spirit, they're going to get it. I'm not saying they're perfect, but they're going to get it because they want to please God. Those are the types of relationships, friendships, and definitely dating relationships and eventually marriage that we want. We want to be with somebody that wants to please God. And here's the thing. If you're with somebody that wants to do that, it's going to, it's going to take you to a whole nother level because then you're one. Oh my gosh, you get married to somebody who's on fire for Jesus and together you're having revelation and you're praying together and you have a a prayer life and, and you get in the word together. It's so awesome. And you, you make it about souls and you're on the same mission. That's the ideal situation, whether it's a marriage or a friendship or even a business partnership, you know? But here's the thing. Stay tuned because in this last segment of the show today, I'm going to talk about what you do if you're involved in an unequally yoked marriage or a relationship that you can't seem to get out of and some steps that you can take. So stay tuned uh, for that, and I hope this is helping you. Then we're going to pray as well at the end because I feel like some people are discouraged right now, and I want you to know that God sees your situation. He knows everything everything that you're having to walk through and hold on because there is hope and God does answer prayers. And if you're contending for your marriage, God moves. I've seen it happen so many times. So don't be discouraged. We're going to talk about that in the next segment. Stay tuned. PastorTodd.org. We'll be right back. It's me you love. Hallelujah. Welcome back to the Todd Coconato Show. God is still moving. He is moving around the earth. He is moving in miracles, signs, and wonders. There is a tremendous harvest, and the world is not done. You are not done. God has a plan for your life, a purpose for your life. I don't know who I'm talking to today, but somebody needs to hear this. You're discouraged. Listen, God is in control of your situation. He is the potter. You are the clay. He goes before you and makes a way where it seems like there's no way. And, and that, that, that is also if you're in a bad marriage. Because a lot of people are listening. Is you're like, finally, he gets to it. Yes, if you're in a bad marriage, you're a Christian. And you don't want to sin. And you don't want to get divorced. You don't want to be the one that walks away because you know what the Bible says about that. And although I did speak to those that have already got divorced earlier, and I will tell you that you can receive forgiveness, and especially if it was you that initiated it or you did something wrong, it doesn't mean your life is done. But there are scriptural consequences as far as those things. And I'm, I'm not going to sit here and... And make it like there's not, because there is. And so as a believer, sometimes you're in a very difficult situation and you don't necessarily want to disqualify yourself uh, from being a ministry leader and you don't want to necessarily go out of the will of God for your life, but you're like, this is a hard marriage and I don't know what to do. Well, I just want you to know you're in the majority. (laughs) I know that sounds crazy, but you're in the majority. After I've pastored now for so many years and seen so many people in my office with the door closed and talked to couple after couple, I can't even tell you how many, thousands probably over the years, literally, 
as I pastored for 17 years in California, we, we met with so many people in that time. And of course, since then we have as well. And I'm just going to tell you this, okay? It's not always as pretty as it looks on social media. A lot of these couples that even look amazing, even Christian couples that maybe are equally yoked still struggle. So marriage is difficult, but you got to look at the good and you got to always remember to look and say, what can I do better? What can I do better? How can I pray more? Can I pray more? Can I contend for this marriage? Look at the good in the person. Don't, you know, the worst thing that you could ever do is think it's you against them or them against you. When it gets to that place, you got to reset. You got to say, look, we're in a bad place right now. It's not me against you. We're one before the Lord. We're a team. We've got to come together. Maybe I need to do more shows on marriage. I think I do because this is a big, big, big important subject. But what I'm talking about today is for those that are unequally yoked in marriage. I'm talking about those that you say, look, I'm on fire for the Lord and my spouse is like barely even on level one Christianity. I think they're saved, but that's about it. They don't get it. They don't have the urgency. Here's what you can do. You got to pray it through. You got to really take this time. And by the way, don't get into the arguments with them because it's not going to win. You're not going to win. Uh, if the Lord gives you a word or something that you need to share to them, that's a little bit different, but you know, don't, don't constantly go at it with them because that's not going to work. They're, they're not where you are and they're not going to get there overnight unless they have a revelation. You pray for them to have the revelation. That's what we got to do. And trust me, I understand this. My mom was in this situation. Uh, I've been very transparent in saying even that my wife is not always exactly in tune with me, but I have to look at all the good things about her and say she's a good wife, she's a good mom, she loves the Lord, she's a kind person, and just look at all the positives. I mean, she puts up with my nonsense, you know? Uh, I'm sure that there's days when she probably wants to slug me in the face. Who knows, you know? I'm just saying, let's be real. We gotta gotta turn it around on ourselves and say, look, am I the easiest person? Is my life, is my calling easy? Is what they're having to deal with with me, is that easy? Because a lot of times they're also feeling as you are. So... We've got to always look from their perspective and we've got to operate in a lot of grace, especially in a marriage, a lot of grace, a lot of mercy, a lot of that alone time with the Lord. That's where you're going to win this battle. I'm just going to be real with you. Where you're going to win this battle is in that alone time with the Lord when you're contending and interceding for your marriage and you are on that threshing floor and you're in that secret place closet, prayer closet, or you're in your car or wherever you go to pray. And you're calling on the name of the Lord and saying, Lord, I need you to do something in my marriage. And by the way, you can't compare your spouse to some other on fire person that you may know. This happens a lot. You know, you may go, you go to a church or whatever, you go to some convention or some conference, you're in some group and here's this other person that's, you know, opposite sex of you and they're somebody else's spouse or they're a single and you're looking you're like, man, if I only had them, if I own my life would be so much better. Instead, I've got this person. Don't look at it that way. Don't compare. First of all, a lot of those times that those people look so great, you know, you get into a relationship with them, all of a sudden you find a totally different side of them. So it's not always as it looks. The grass is not greener on the other side. And if if the grass looks greener on the other side, it's often because you're not watering your own lawn. But I guarantee you that every person has challenges. And even the best person is still challenging at times. Now, I'm not saying that there isn't a better person out there for you if you were to you know, your spouse were to walk away or, you know, a sudden death or something were to happen. Look, I've seen this where, you know, something happened and then somebody remarries and they actually are in a better marriage and the Lord gives them a second chance. You know, if that's the path that God has for you, that's the path he has for you. But, you know, this is where people get into trouble. They start wanting this, like, oh, if only I could get out of this marriage. Don't think of it that way. You got to think about how can I pray 
give me a strategy, Lord, and, and give me the strength that I need. Even Paul had a thorn in his side. And don't compare. Comparison is an open door. The Bible even says don't covet your neighbor. Don't covet. That's coveting. That's covetedness. Don't covet their spouse. Don't cover their marriage. Don't cover their, their situation. You have a different situation than they do. And, and you don't understand, as I don't understand, that when you get in their situation, you're actually in their shoes, there's a whole nother set of problems. And sometimes they're worse than what you're dealing with, by the way. So it looks good, but it's not what it looks like. It's not as it appears. So we need to get right before the Lord and say, look, here's the thing that I've kind of learned is that if I'm as a, a preacher and I'm out here ministering to people and counseling people, I'm just going to be completely real. Is that okay? I mean, if I can't even, you know, have a good situation in my home, then I'm doing something wrong. Because if I'm ministering to the world, trying to save the world, and I can't even save my own home, my priorities are messed up. Sometimes you got to take a break from ministry and, and really just pay the attention to your home. You know, for a while, when I started getting a lot of opportunities all around the country and stuff, and sometimes I couldn't take my spouse with me, and I, you know, I was out a lot, and I had to reset and remember, hey, you know what? I need to get home. I need to be with my wife because she was going through a different set of challenges. And, and you know, by the way, things are going good with us. We have a good marriage. I hope that I didn't make it out any other way in this broadcast. I'm just being real and saying that, look, it's not perfect. There's challenges sometimes. And we got to get our own house in order and get our mind right. And a lot of that is us. A lot of the things that we blame on our spouse, actually, we have an opportunity to change them in our own actions. What can I do better? But I understand, and listen, here's the thing. If you're in an abusive marriage physically, my advice to anybody that comes to me and says that is get yourself separated away from that person. Put yourself in a safe place. You do not need to endure getting beat up. That is not God's will for your life. Number one. Number two, if you're in an emotionally abusive relationship where you're being attacked all the time, you are allowed to separate yourself for a season and see if that helps. And maybe, you know, show them you're willing to leave. You know, and, and each situation is a case by case and you got to pray to the Lord and ask him for wisdom and discernment. It's not all cut and dry. The bottom line is, though, you have to seek God. Before you just run and get a divorce, make sure you seek God and, and he really tells you. But the other side of it is if you have gotten divorced, you can't beat yourself up or hold yourself like, you know, I'm, I'm such a bad person. I didn't you know you got to move forward in your life now. God has a new a new season for you. He's got uh, more things in store. So that's the thing about Christianity and, and our and our walk is that God is a forgiving, merciful God. But guess what? People aren't always forgiving. And so you got to deal with the ramifications of each decision that you make, not just with God, but also with man, because unfortunately people talk and sometimes people don't forgive and they take sides and. Oh, there's just so much more. I can't even cover it all in one show today. There's just so much. But hopefully, if anything that you got out of this today, it's that if you have the opportunity not to get engaged in, a, in an unequally yoked partnership, relationship, marriage, don't do it. Just wait for God to bring the right person because he's not out of resources. There's billions of people on this planet and God has not, you know, ran out of people. He will bring somebody in the right time and in the meantime, praise them because you know what? A lot of married people want to be single and a lot of singles want to be married. So just enjoy the season that you're in right now and watch what God's going to do. He's going to do something beautiful in your life. The, the key is, is that we, we just, you know, we say, Lord, let your will be done. I want to be in your perfect will, God. I want to, I want to please you. 
And I want to just pray for you right now. So, Lord, I just thank you for each and every person listening. I know we can't possibly cover it all in one show, but hopefully this gave at least some background, some understanding as to what being unequally yoked is and why we need to be equally yoked as believers, why we've got to look for somebody that would please you, Lord. And I just pray for every person that's praying for a spouse right now that they would, they would have the strength to endure and that you would bring them the right person, somebody that blesses their life, somebody that, that, that compliments them so that they can be about the good work and the good news, that they can do the kingdom work together and they can be a power couple. And to those that are in a marriage that's challenging, I pray you'd give them strength. I pray you'd give them strategy. I pray you'd give them wisdom, direction. In the name of Jesus, let us keep going, pressing ahead. Myself too. What can I do better, Lord? I don't want to badmouth my spouse. I love my spouse. Give me the understanding. Give me the unction, Lord. We're all in this together, and the enemy wants to take us down, but we are on the winning team, and God says the gates of hell will not prevail against us. God bless you, and we'll see you again next week. PastorTodd.org. All right, everybody, thank you so much for tuning into today's broadcast. If you're hearing this, you're on the podcast version of the show. And just want to give you a couple of announcements. So first of all, May 5th, 2023. May 5th, 2023 is the grand opening of the Remnant Revival Center in Nashville, Tennessee. It's actually in Gallatin. If you can make it out there, come on out because it's going to be a powerful night and I believe even a powerful weekend. Uh, if you come on out, May 5th, 2023, Remnant Revival Center here in Nashville. We're going to put up more information on my Facebook page and on my website soon, so stay tuned, uh, but save the date, May 5th. All right, number two, we need your help. Uh, we have a lot of extra expenses this month. I'm talking in the tune of thousands, tens of thousands, as we get the Remnant Revival Center ready. Remember, I don't have an in-person congregation yet, so everything that we do is funded by you, the listener. And uh, we are really taking a big step of faith right now, believing that God is going to provide as we walk on the water and look at Jesus directly in the eyes. But this is an important time. It's an important time for Nashville and for the country, as I believe this is the beginning of something very big and powerful. And I know many of you understand what I'm saying. So if you have a heart to give, if you're able to give, please go to www.toddcoconato.com slash give. And I am so thankful for your support. Everything you uh, you donate will go to the ministry, by the way. Everything. Uh, we need to get sound equipment. We got to get chairs. We got to get lighting. All these different things. And by the way, I'm not trying to put together some, you know, seeker-friendly concert-looking type of venue. It's a small venue anyways. But, you know, there's just certain things that we need. Like, we have to have chairs. We have to have a sound system. Uh, you know, we need a keyboard. We need just certain things. So, if you're able to help, I so appreciate it. You're you're sowing on good ground. I promise you that. Uh, we, this is going to be an epicenter. I believe that many, many people are going to come from all around the country, maybe even the world, to receive healing and deliverance. And we're going to pray and stay, stay and pray every service. So thank you so much for tuning in. We love you and bless you in Jesus' name.